0: Thank you, choir, for that beautiful time of worship. Tonight, we will press further on our series titled, Now Concerning Spiritual Gifts. And... um, After this teaching tonight, I will pause. Someone else will teach next Thursday by the grace of God. That is not to say that you should run away. We have young ministers in the house. I want to give them the room to teach and take some meetings while I prepare for a blaze. Because the Thursday after the next will be a blaze 2022 flag off, I blaze the 13th of October to the 16th of October. So two Thursdays from now will be 13th, so that I can concentrate and prepare adequately. I'm going to ask one of our young ministers to take the Bible study next Thursday. And your maturity actually will reflect when you come. Knowing that Pastor Fred might or might not come, I might come, just sit down and listen, most likely. Or I might not, depending if my schedule does not permit. But most likely I'll be here, by the grace of God, and sit down myself and soak in the word. Praise God. The Expression House is a sending place. Never forget that. It's a place for preparation for life also preparation for ministry and i've recognized the grace of god on the lives of some of you of course on everybody's life grace but some are called into the fivefold ministry and this is the place to help you discover that and help you develop that calling and so that ultimately your life may bring profit in to the kingdom of god A life that does not bring profit to the kingdom of God is a wasted life. No matter how rich in terms of money a life may be, no matter how wealthy in terms of material possessions, if a life does not bring profit to the kingdom of God, such a life is a waste. doesn't bring profit into God. Are you with me tonight? That's why one of the prayers of Paul the Apostle, let's go there. Ephesians chapter 1. From verse 17 it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints God has an inheritance in the saints your life is supposed to bring him glory your life, my life, is supposed to bring him profit. That's why, also, we are learning what I'm teaching now because the manifestation of the Spirit is for every man to profit without. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 7. Our lives are supposed to bring profit to God. Now, in the process of bringing profit to God, Profit also comes to us, Amen. Come on now, Amen. In the process of bringing profit to God with your life, profit also comes to your life. There is no way you'll be making heaven smile, and heaven will be committed to your misery. Heaven will be committed to your, to your living a very miserable life. No, heaven is committed to your joy, to your well-being as well. Are you with me tonight? So, that's why we teach what we teach. That's why we, as much as possible, encourage one another week in, week out to follow Christ. Make room for him in our lives, in our conduct, in our speech, in the way we live. As God's children, we should be different from the world. There is another gospel. The other gospel that makes... That tells Christians they can live as unbelievers. You can have sex all you want. You can drink all you want. You can do crazy and nasty stuff. Go anywhere and still be a Christian. The most dangerous set of Christians that exist on this planet are the ones that have been able to master sin. They are dangerous. And they are all over the campuses. Especially on campuses. They try to catch people young and give them the license to sin. They are the most dangerous. Anyone that is preaching hyper grace is a dangerous person. You should run away from them. They have mastered sin. They live in sin and they have an excuse for it. They have scriptures. to say, no, it's not me. I'm not the one committing the sin. It's my flesh. And my spirit is different from my flesh. So whatever I do after my flesh is after the flesh. Henceforth, no we, no man, after the flesh. But excuse me if you go and change figures in your office and they bring in an auditor and they discover that you have been stealing from the office and they call in the police and they charge you to court will the judge say because you are a pastor in your church stealing from your office was done by your flesh. It was not done by your spirit. And as a result, this 12 million naira that you stole will pardon you because the offense was committed by your flesh. Do you think that will be the judgment? By the grace of God, such a pastor will go to jail. Can I have an amen? By the grace of God. If the judge wants to be comical, the judge will say, well, we understand you, sir. You have claimed that it was your flesh that stole the money, not your spirit. We will commit that your flesh to prison. We set your, your spirit free. Your spirit can go. Discharged and acquitted. But your flesh will go to 12 years imprisonment. Now, when a pastor is sentenced to prison, does that bring glory to God? Does that bring profiting to the kingdom? When we live according to the spirit, we will know and we will enjoy life and peace. Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. Paul the apostle said, for to be carnally minded is death. He wrote this to believers. Paul wrote this epistle to believers. Born again, spirit filled, tongue talking people. He said, look, if you are carnally minded, you are going to die. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Nobody will really fully understand life and peace until you begin to live a life that is led by the Holy Spirit. There are people who cannot voluntarily go for HIV screening. screening. Or if we bring from a hospital now, we say, okay, we want people that will donate blood. But before you donate blood, you want to screen your blood for HIV. Some people will not come to service that day. Because they know how they live their lives. But some will say, oh yeah, please come anytime. Yeah? Why? They understand and they are enjoying life and peace. If you're a believer and you're living in sin, you wouldn't know life and peace. You're afraid somebody's after you. You're afraid that they might find out what you're doing secretly. You're afraid. Look. It's too expensive to be a believer and be living in sin. And then trying to cover it up. No. Whoever covers his sin shall not prosper. I mean, we have struggles in our lives. No doubt about that. There are occasional uh, slips and flops. Come clean. Lord, this is it. I'm not even trying to explain it. I messed up. Please forgive me. And I'm not going back there. One man (laughs) that I met years ago lives a very reckless life. He's got about maybe two or three kids in London. And he's got a couple of kids in Nigeria. He has children all over the place. He's a he seed sower. He sows seed, Afunumi. And on top of that, of course, came down from his career, business, everything came to zero, and became broke. If you look at him, you see him, you'll know that this was once upon a rich man. Once upon a time, he was very rich. And from a home where his father really pampered him a lot. But the father had died, and the mother was not going to pamper him. So, pushed him out, go and struggle for your life. So, um, he gave his life to Christ in my office, and we started talking. Then I heard that he used to say to his friends, don't you know my name is David? He was frolicking with all the women in the neighborhood, all the useless and careless ladies, some of them married, they had husbands, and they would still come and meet him. So I called them useless, very reckless. And in his usual lifestyle, he would boast to his friends, don't you know my name is David? Don't you know my name is David? What does that mean? He said, go and read about David in the Bible. David had a lot of women, this and that. (laughs) I said, this man does not know the heart of David. Go and look at the life of David. He never committed the same sin twice. Every time he was found out, and he opened up to the Lord and he came clean. He never went back to that same era. He never did. You are living the same sin year in, year out. And you are claiming that your name is David. You see, the deception of the enemy is a terrible tool. And people are deceived because they give room to the enemy to deceive them. They give him room. The devil sells lies to all of us. It's your choice whether you buy it or not. Are you getting what I'm saying? He could tell you, like tonight, you need to watch some porn before you go to bed. That's a lie from the devil. You can choose to say, oh, okay, that would be nice. And you fall for it. Or you can choose to say, no. No. There is a new man in me now. The life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Galatians 2.20. So I can say no to you, Mr. Devil. Because you are drawing me into carnality. Pornography is carnality. And the Bible says, for to be carnally minded is death. It will lead to spiritual death. They say, at what point do you lose your salvation? I don't know. But Paul said, to be carnally minded is death. And he wrote that to Christians. Born again people who had once said the prayer of salvation, and he was telling them, even though you had said the prayer of salvation, if you continue to live carnally, you will die. What kind of death? Everybody will die the natural death. He was talking about spiritual death here. said, about to be spiritually minded. Oh no. It's life and peace. Look, you may not have money sometimes, but if you live a life that is led by the Holy Spirit, you will enjoy life and peace. There are certain things that you may not even have money to afford, but God will ensure that people give those things to you as gifts. Those things will come to you. Like Jacob said to his father, when the father asked him, Genesis twenty-seven twenty, how come you got it so quickly? He said, the Lord your God brought it to me. There are blessings that God can bring to you. Amen. Just where you are. There are things he leads you into. Psalm 23, David the psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to light down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restored my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. So there are blessings God leads you to. But there are blessings that God brings into your life. He brings them to you. He brings them to you. Amen. Spirituality does not take away from you. Spirituality adds to you. Today, the challenge of many Christians, young and elderly, is to live a spiritual life. To live a life that is controlled by the Holy Spirit. People want to be called born again, but they want to live like sinners. You can't do that. You can't do that. Today, till today, there are still arguments in the body of Christ about whether Christians should take alcohol or not. Arguments. Serious arguments. Oof. What does the Bible have to say about it? If you go to Ephesians chapter 6, I believe, and verse 19. Paul the apostle said, be ye not filled with 619, I said. Oh, 519, I guess. 519. Give 519 to me, please. 19. Or 16. Use my main text. Okay, yeah. Now go to 17. Redeeming the time because these are evil. So wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Yes. In understanding what the will of the Lord is, then in verse 18, he said, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. But be being filled with the Spirit. You can be being filled. Be filled right there in the original Greek. Because the New Testament was written in Greek. is a continuous word. Continue to be filled with the Spirit. That is, every time we meet you, be filled with the Spirit. Be being filled with the Spirit. Now, in being filled with the Spirit, you will not be longing for wine. You won't be longing for that which intoxicates your flesh. You'll be looking for the intoxication of the Spirit. Where you drive out demons, lay hands on the sick, and they recover. Are the kind of things that will excite you? People are sick all around us. Are we able to help them? People die. Are we able to help them? Jesus gave a command to the disciples, and he gave that command to us as well. Let's look look at Matthew chapter 10 and verse 7. And then I'm already, I'm already talking about the gift of healings tonight, anyways. Matthew 10 and verse 7. Jesus said. And as you go, preach. Singing the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yes. Verse 8. As you preach, what do you do? Heal the sick. Jesus said so. He said heal the sick. He didn't say send them to the doctors. He said you do it. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Cleanse them. Do the work of cleansing. Undo the works of the enemy. If leprosy was the work of God, nobody can undo the work of God. Can anybody undo the work of God? Hello, church? Can anybody undo the work of God? If God closes the door, show me anybody here that is powerful enough to open that door. When God closed Noah's Ark, the Bible said God himself closed the door to the Ark. Nobody could open it. So if God brings leprosy on people, can anybody remove the leprosy? But God said, you go ahead, cleanse the lepers. That means leprosy was not his work. He wants everybody clean. The devil puts leprosy on people. God does not put sickness and disease on people. Religion teaches that sometimes when you mess up, God can make you sick. That's religion, not Bible. That's some people's idea of God. They see God as one wicked old man. White beard, white hair, He's very weak and tired, and he has a long cane in his hand. He can't run around anymore because he's ancient, but he's always looking for you to make a mistake, and when you make a mistake, he whips you. That's why when something bad happens to someone in, I don't know about other tribes, but in Yoruba Palance, there's a Yoruba Palance, they say, that is God has caught him. God doesn't catch anybody. Does he have to chase anybody? If God wants to catch us now, does he have to chase us? When he has got the whole world in the palm of his hands? All he has to do is close the palm. Squeeze us. We are dead. That's it. If God chooses to squeeze the world now, you, all you hear is... We are all gone in a moment. God is not the one responsible for the wicked things happening in this world. God is not looking for who to punish. There are certain uh, professions where they describe flood, for example, wildfire, natural disasters, as acts of God. So when, for example, in in Florida right now, Florida has been flooded, and we need to pray for the people there. We have some brethren there. We have family members there. Now, in the world, they call that acts of God. That's an act of God. Something claiming people's lives and property. What kind of God is that? Or, like they have sometimes wildfire in California. I said, Oh, that's an act of God. Uh, what kind of God is that? Roasting people alive, turning them to barbecue. I would never serve that kind of God. Our God is love. Can I have an amen to that? First John 4, 8, 1st John 4:16. God is love. So God doesn't want people sick, let alone want them destroyed. That's why He said, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. God, yeah, Jesus said so, raise the dead, <laughs> amen, praise God, he said raise the dead, and he said that to us, raise the dead, oh no pastor, oh. <laughs> let's let's heal the sick, about cleansing the leper, I, I, I don't know, Jesus is so amazing, he said heal the sick, that was like chemistry 157, or oh, that was like GS 101, heal the sick, okay, at least we can deal with that, then he raised the bar a little bit. He said, cleanse the lepers. Ah, cleansing the lepers will require more anointing. Before they could wrap their mind around that, he moved the bar again. Raise the dead. Ah, the dead. Who can bring the dead back to life? But Jesus said, go and do it. You are up to the task. I'm with you. You've got what it takes. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Raise the dead. Tell your neighbor, say, raise the dead. Make sure you look at them eyeball to eyeball. Say to them, "Say, raise the dead." Oh yeah, the Lord said we should raise the dead. Like when even a phone, a dead phone can come back alive. <laughs> no, that's not what we're talking about. The real dead. Oh no, you know, Pastor. Maybe Jesus was saying like we should start from like if somebody's ear is dead, they raise the dead. Cast out devils. When devils have their presence without bodies. And they look for who to possess. They are illegal occupants in human beings. They are fallen angels. When the devil, their father, fell, they fell with him because they rebelled in heaven. And they have become fugitives in the earth. They are homeless people. So they look for human beings that are available and enter them. That's why you should never in your life date an unbeliever, let alone marry one. Marry someone that's possessed with the devil. You are living with two persons at least. And the capacity of the human spirit is such that a man can have a legion. 6,000 foot soldiers in one man. The madman of Gadara. One man housed 6,000. Mary Magdalene, how many devils did Jesus cast out of her? Seven. One lady, beautiful. All set, figure eight, cat walking all over town. Beautiful. But every time you saw her walking, eight people were walking. Eight people. Herself and seven other people. And those seven people were very powerful. Are you with me? I'm not demonizing women, right? So it's both sexes. Men also get possessed. There was a young boy in Acts, I think Acts 17 or so. And some seven sons of Sceva were trying to cast out the devil from him. And they said to him, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, get out of him! And the demon said to them, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Tanieo, who are you? One devil from that guy came out pounced on the seven of them, beat them to stupor and wounded them and they left that room wounded, injured and naked he tore their clothes seven, one demon so they can be powerful, no doubt about that but hey, greater is he that is in you than he that is in them can I have an amen to that so Jesus said use the authority of my name and cast out devils anywhere you get to and there are devils there, cast them out Make them homeless. Glory to God. We have that authority. Anywhere we see the devil in this world, we chase him out of that place. You get into a new apartment before you move in and sleep for the first night. Cast out the devil from that room. Cast out the devil from that house. Because the child of God is now living in this house. I can't be living in the same house as the devil. When I come, you leave. You get what I'm saying? Jesus said, freely you have received. Freely give. He's given us a mission. Everywhere we go, we bring the kingdom of God. Everywhere we go, we bring the glory of God. Everywhere we go, we bring the power of God. Everywhere we go, we bring the wisdom of God. Amen. We are, pe- we are a people on a mission 24-7. Give me First John 3.8. The same mission of Jesus is what we are all about. He that committed sin, that is he that lives in sin, actually. And this is the hyper-grace people. is of the devil. A believer may commit sin. A believer may make a mistake. You have been forgiven. ab have But you don't glorify that sin. You must see sin as sin. Sin is sin. Don't call it a weakness. Sin is sin. Call it by its name. So that your repentance can be genuine. How did I find myself here? Lord have mercy on me and forgive me. Repent from your heart. When repentance is genuine. You don't want to repeat that act. Do you want to? But if you know. That if I do it again, you will still forgive. If I do it again, then you can do it again and 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 again. And then you make a doctrine out of it and say, Oh, more forget I Everybody to do them. It's not easy. God knows that adrenaline is flowing and libido is flowing. God knows that we are sexual beings. God knows. Come on, now if I do anything, is my is my flesh not my spirit? My spirit is eternally saved. The day I got I got born again, I got forever saved. Hallelujah. And they give you scriptures of eternal salvation, eternal, eternal, eternal. Okay but there's also eternal damnation. Henceforth, no, we know man after the flesh. Go and steal money. Then you will know that we still know you after the flesh. Go and impregnate somebody and then you will know that the family will know you after this. Ah, no. It was not my spirit that impregnated your daughter. It, It was my flesh. You cannot arrest me because it was my flesh. It was not my spirit and nobody should talk about me in this church. Nobody. Because it was not my spirit. It was my flesh. Sir, we will talk about you. We will. Because we have never seen your spirit before. It's your flesh we see. It's you we know. Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Is the beginning of rascality. I hope you are listening to me. Don't go back to campus and, and embrace that. Another brand of gospel. For Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. 2 Corinthians 11.14. You'll find it there. Now, don't go there yet. Look at this. He the committed sins of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. Alright. For this purpose. What purpose? The Son of God was manifested. What purpose? Why was the Son of God manifested? Why? Why? Come on, talk to me, church. So that he might destroy the works of the devil. Not so that he might manage the works of the devil. No, so that he might destroy the works of the devil. Glory be to God. And for this purpose, we exist here at this time in our destiny. We we are here at this time in our journey of life. So that we might destroy the works of the devil. So we get anywhere. The devil has worked. What do we do? We destroy his works. Can I have an amen to that? Come on now. Can I have an amen to that? Is is sickness the work of God? Poverty. Is it the work of God? Oh no. God made me poor so that I can follow him. You must be very special. God doesn't make anybody poor. He was made poor, rather, that we might become, through his poverty, become rich. Sickness and disease are works of the devil. They are part of the curse of the law. And according to Galatians 3, 13 and 14, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He been made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on us through the... Uh, might come on us, the Gentiles, through Jesus Christ and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Can I have an amen to that? Glory be to God. Tonight we are talking about the gifts of healings and I want to drive my point further and then stop and then we will resume this after a blaze. First Corinthians 12 has been our text from verse 1 all the way to 11. All right? Now, if you read the entire text, you will find nine gifts. Three of them say something. Three of them do something. Three of them reveal something. The ones, the three that say something are called utterance gifts. And so we have the gift of prophecy, number one. We have diverse kind of tongues, number two. Interpretation of tongues, number three. Then the second uh, category, we have the three gifts that do something. Number one is the gift of special faith. Number two, the working of miracles. And number three, the gifts of healings, which is what we are dealing with tonight. And then the last set of gifts, we have the three gifts. So the, the gift that do something are called the power gifts. The three of them that reveal something. One, the word of wisdom. Two, the word of knowledge. Three, descending of spirit. They're also called revelation gifts. We've dealt with all of them the three of them so tonight we'll very quickly look at the gifts plural of healings if you go to first corinthians 12 and in verse verse 9 so another Faith by the same Spirit, to another, the gifts of healings by the same Spirit. The Holy Spirit distributes these gifts according to His will. Amen. To one, the gift of special faith, to another, the gifts of healings. To another, the working of miracles. However, sometimes you could have three of them manifest in one person. And especially where the raising of the dead is concerned. When someone dies, maybe out of an accident or out of a disease or sickness which progressed and got worse and then they eventually died, you will need those three gifts in operation. The gift of special faith to receive. Because that gift of special faith does not do, does not work a miracle. It receives a miracle. So, the gift of special faith can receive the spirit of a departed Christian back into the body. It can receive anything against all odds. When the spirit comes back, the person is back, but not fully back so the working of miracles will step in and bring the person back to life raise the person from the dead that's a miracle then the gifts of healings had better kick in so that the person will be healed of whatever killed them in the first place otherwise if the gifts of healings is not in operation and the gift of special faith brings back the spirit into the body The working of miracles raises them back to life. They will die again. Because the gifts of healings has not done its job of healing them to make them whole again. Are you with me tonight? Are you with me tonight? So you can have this, the three of them in one person. And we are to covet these gifts. We are to earnestly desire them. And say, Lord, in all of our services, we want this gift in operation. In my life, I want this gift in operation. I want them. I don't want to minister words, words. No. I don't want to give information, information. No. I want revelation. I, I want the word of wisdom, word of knowledge. I want the gift of healings. I want the working of miracles. Amen. All nine gifts were in manifestation in the ministry of Jesus. Go to 1 Corinthians 12 and verse... 28 and 29 and 30. And God has set some in the church. First, apostles. Secondarily, prophets. Thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles. Then, gifts of healings. I'd like you to notice both words in plural. That is the way it should be written throughout the New Testament. Gifts of healings. Can I hear you say that? Helps, government, diversities of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healings. Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Verse thirty-one then says, "But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show you I on show I unto you a more excellent way." What is the best gifts he asked us to covet the best gift is the gifts you need now the gift for the moment the gift that would bring a blessing at the moment to someone that really needs it amen amen now talking about the gifts of healings why is it plural gifts of healings of all the nine gifts is the only one that is written in plurals gifts, plural, of healings, plural. Now, possibly, the only reasonable explanation we can offer, for we know in part, we don't know in full, the only explanation, reasonable explanation we can offer, is that there are different kinds of diseases. So you also have the gifts of healings, And I will explain that. If you have been in ministry for a while, I know, well, you haven't been in ministry, so I'm preparing you. Even as believers, as Christians, you might discover that God is using you in certain areas, that when you minister, you are able to get certain healings done. Very quickly, but you are not able to get certain done easily, which you might find in someone else's life or ministry. Are you with me? Come on, are you with me? I heard of a particular man of God, he is like an eye specialist. If he prays for your eyes, boom. Your dad told me. He's in a big ministry in Nigeria. I don't know if he's still in that ministry. But he's a specialist that when people have eye-related problems, if he prays for them, boom, they receive their healings. But if you bring someone that has liver problem, it might not be able to help much. There is general healing in the Bible. you find that in Mark 16, 17. And this signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. And then if you go further, it says they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. This is for every believer. Are you getting what I'm saying? But I'm not talking about the general healing. I'm talking about the specific manifestation of the spirit. Because each of these gifts are supernatural and they are a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It's like when the Holy Spirit decides to demonstrate himself, He just chooses to demonstrate himself. Through you. Through a human vessel. So these gifts Of healings, um, as you walk with God, as you go deeper in God, you will discover that you are able, you might be able to get certain things done very quickly. Like for some people, I've heard many preachers say this, I've seen that in my life also. Growth, growth disappears when they pray. When they pray for people that have growth in their body, it disappears completely. It can be instant or it could be progressive. It will begin to go down, go down, and go down over time. But other areas of healing, they are not able to get much done. Are you getting what I'm saying? But when they pray for anyone who has a growth, no matter where the growth is in their body, it will disappear. It could go instantly or it could go over time. And so, I believe this was why this gift was captured, the gifts of healings. But the ministry of Jesus, everything manifested. He healed all manner of sickness, all manner of disease, whether it had to do with the brain, or the eyes, or the nerves, or the mouth, or the nose, or the throat, or the chest, or the body part. He healed everything. In fact, he restored the maimed. M-A-I-M-E-D. Those were people who had lost some of their body parts. Maybe lost an arm or lost a leg. They all grew in the ministry of Jesus. You don't. If you read your Bible in a hurry, you will never find that. The means, that's what it means. There are people that need new organs, new kidneys, new, new liver, new hearts, new lungs. And Jesus makes such available if they are able to receive by faith. Amen. And Jesus wants to work through you. He wants to work through me. The question is, are we available? Are we not too busy for the Lord? Are we not chasing after other things? Sometimes when people even ask God for these gifts, they're asking for personal gain. Because the moment that miracles start happening through you into the lives of other people, then they make you a semi-God or demi-God, and then you start having an exaggerated uh, uh, view of your own importance you begin to think that you're the next best thing after the invention of a bicycle or maybe after the invention of tom you know and then your head is swelling we see a lot of that around the world in our country and other countries of the world and you think the man is the big deal there's no man that's the big deal jesus is the, is the real deal can i have an amen to that even jesus didn't take credit for the miracles he performed in John 14, 10, he said, The words I speak unto you, they are not mine, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he does the works. Now, this is where I close tonight. Can we do the works of Jesus? Can we flow in this gifts of healings? Now, you need to know, first of all, that the anointing that was on Jesus was the anointing without measure. Someone say without measure. Your anointing, my anointing as a measure. John 3:34. John 3:34. On the screen, please. John 3:34 and in your Bible. So please, everybody must have a Bible. When you come into Bible study, bring your Bible. Don't just bring your phone, bring your Bible. Amen. John 3 34. For he whom God had sent speaks the words of God. For God gives not the spirit by measure unto him. The spirit is the anointing, and God gives Jesus the anointing without measure. Without measure. So it could flow in any direction, in any dimension, at whatever degree he could walk on water, he could do whatever. Praise God. But then he himself subjected himself to the Father. He said, I'll only do what I see my father do. John 5:19. Quickly. John 5.19. Hallelujah. John 5:19. John 5:19. 5, John 5.19. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do how many things of himself? No thing, nothing of himself, but what he seeth the father do. For what things soever he doeth, this also doeth the son likewise. So He, even though he had the anointing without measure, he still submitted himself to authority. Some people cannot submit to authority. Nobody can talk to them. They are too big. They are too big. And listen, if you are too big to follow anybody, And to follow instructions. Then you are too small to lead anybody. It's a lesson in leadership. Even demons won't obey you if you're a disobedient person. It's when your obedience is complete, they will listen to you. You find that in the scriptures. Amen? Jesus had the anointing without measure. Now, but Jesus didn't minister. And this is where I'm going to conclude tonight. Jesus didn't minister as the son of God. He ministered as a prophet under the Abrahamic covenant anointed by the Holy Spirit. He ministered as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. He didn't minister as the son of God. If he wanted to minister as the son of God, he would have been ministering from the womb. He would speak from the womb. At six months, he could just get up and run to the market and come back and wear his diapers and go back to bed and be a baby again. But did he do any of that? At three years, he could just say now, I will increase my stature today and grow to be like 20. And then go out, heal the sick, come back, shrink again to a baby, a little girl, I'm sorry, little boy, three-year-old, and then be running around and play football. But can I ask you a question? When Jesus was a year old, was he the son of God? Some don't know. Was he the son of God? Was he son of the devil? So was he son of God? At 19, was he son of God? At 29, was he son of God? How come that he didn't do any miracles of healing until the age of 30? Did he suddenly become the son of God at 30? Even at 30, before he got baptized and the Holy Ghost came upon him, at 30, was he the son of God? It was as, as much The Son of God, when he was 19, as he was at 30. Are you with me? He stripped himself of that glory. He did not minister as the Son of God. He ministered as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. Which is why he has given us the opportunity also to minister like him. Because had he ministered as the Son of God, we would never have been able to attain to that kind of ministration and that kind of office and that kind of calling. But he humbled himself and became a man, a normal, proper child. Are you with me? A normal proper child. They took him out, like you take every other kid out. At the age of 12, they took him out. They took him to Jerusalem for the feast. The parents took him out when they didn't see him like the third day. They went back. Ah, how come? You. Then he told them, I'm, I'm about my father's business. Of course. Certain things were quite strange about him. And there had been one, that's the son of God. But he didn't manifest his glory. He didn't heal anybody. Were there sick people around him when he was 12? Were there sick adults? Come on, talk to me, church. Were there demon-possessed people in town? How come he didn't, he didn't just say, hey, I bind you. Get out of him!" That's why you don't read those demon-possessed books that say that uh, when he was three years old, one bird flew from a a tree and it came down and the bird was talking to his mom. All those nonsense. They make people go crazy. Seven books of uh, Moses, uh, the book of uh, whatever. I told a young man who used to come to this church, started reading those books. I told him, these books will make you mad. You will go crazy. You will lose your sanity. Said, no, Pastor, you don't understand. They lied to us. How could they have told us that Jesus was a Jew? How could they have said it was a white man? White Jesus. No, he was black. He was. I said, God, have mercy. What have you got to do with that? Whether he was black or white. I mean, today he's mad. I mean, he's mad, really mad. I, last time I saw him, I, I could we sat in the same car. I held my breath. The stench coming from his body. There was another man too, young man, who was in the other church. I warned him. He was practicing Christianity. At the same time, he was reading the Quran, Islam, and then he was reading uh, books by the Grail Message, something like the Grail Message of Hare Krishna. He combined everything. I told him, you'll be mad. He's mad now. I told him, don't tell people, don't try to be diplomatic. Tell them the truth. You combine all these, be, because there are spirits working in those things. They will make you mad. You can't kill a cockroach around them. It will fight you. How can you kill a couple? Can you create it? You know these kind of things? Weird thinking. He will be driving to work with his tires, the tires of his car deflated. He said, no need to do that. Miraculously, it will come up. He will be driving to work. He will see children going to school. Their school, off his route, he will stop, pick those children by force, go and drop them in their school, and go to work late. So they fired him at work. I, I, with, I, 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 in the company of another senior professor in this church, went to his work. We went to the HR manager of his, and he used to work in a, in a conglomerate, you would, you would call it. They told us all the things against him, how he was accusing certain women at work of being witches because he saw them in the dream and threatened that the next time he saw them, he would, he would use a machete on them. How did he get there? He was crazy. He got into wrong books. The Bible is enough for me. Glory be to God. God's plan for my life is in his word. The holy Bible. I don't need any other person after Jesus and the Holy Spirit. All those extracurricular activities will make you, they will actually make you literally mad. I mean mad, really mad, lunatic. Jesus didn't do any healing until he was baptized by the Holy Spirit. Of course, baptized in water by immersion. And as he came out of the water, was there with John the Baptist. The Holy Spirit came in a bodily form like a dove. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. The Holy Spirit is a person. He has a mind, he has a will, he has emotions. The Bible says, grieve not the spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 that we've been reading says, all these the Holy Spirit distributes as he wills. So he has a will, a person has all of those attributes. It was the moment the Holy Ghost came on Jesus that his ministry, his healing ministry began. Can we quickly look at a few scriptures and then we close. Hebrews chapter, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He went to his hometown went to the hometown synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Yes, what did he read? And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. What was written there? Yeah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He read that. The day the Holy Spirit came upon him, He became anointed. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you become anointed. Somebody say, I am anointed. He said, I'm anointed. Anointed to do what? To preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to preach deliverance to the captives. And he has anointed me to preach recovering of the sight to the blind. And to set at liberty them that are bruised. He has anointed me to carry out this mission. Glory be to God. I said glory be to God. When Peter was going to report that much later. He went to the house of Cornelius. In Acts chapter 10. And in verse 38. Peter said how God anointed. Anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Look at that. He didn't say how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth. No. Because the word Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. Before he became the Christ, he was Jesus of Nazareth. But the moment the anointing came, he became Jesus Christ. Amen? Christ is not the surname of Jesus. I'm afraid, Elekbe is my surname. But when you say Jesus Christ, you are not talking about his surname. You are talking about his anointing. Yeshua HaMashiach, the HaMashiach there is the anointed one, and he's anointing. So Peter said, how God anointed, there, is, there was a Jesus of Nazareth. Like, there is a Fred of Mokola, there is a Fred of Elele Eleele, Eleele there's a Falake of Ibadon, and then the Holy Ghost came on her, and she became anointed Falake." And he became anointed Fred. And you became your anointed self. Are you with me now? How God anointed that. What does it mean to anoint? It means to rub on something. Like when you rub oil on your face. Or whatever. You anoint your face with oil. Or pomade. Or you don't call it pomade in your generation. I don't know what to call it. Body cream or whatever. Now, that's what it means. Now, the anointing is God rubbing his own essence. Rubbing himself off on immortal, I'm putting myself on you, I am empowering you to smell like me. Praise God, Amen. So, wherever you go, you carry my perfume, Amen. So, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? Not with perfume. Not with cream, not with oil. He anointed him with the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit comes on you, when he robs him off on you, you're anointed. Praise God. And with power. And then what happened? He went about doing a little bit good, a little bit bad. What was he doing? Good. Why was he doing good? You go back to the source of the anointing. The one who Robbed, who took of his own essence and robbed on him is good. So whatever he does has to reflect the nature of the source of the anointing, which is good. God the good. Jehovah the good. Psalm 106 verse 1, the Lord is good and his mercy endure forever. Psalm 107 verse 1, for the Lord is good his mercy endure forever. Psalm 118 verse 1. For the Lord is good. And his mercy endure forever. Go through the scriptures. You'll find that God is good. God is good. 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 There is no bad in God. There is no evil in God. God is intrinsically, internally, intrinsically good. And God is extrinsically, externally good. That was why when Jesus was anointed with God. Anointed with the spirit of God. The perfume, the pomade, the cosmetics, the the makeup of God, the only thing he could reflect was God and God is good. So he went about doing the mission of God the good and so the only thing he could do was good. Glory be to God. I said glory be to God. It's like when a mother empowers a child with the mother tongue. And you refuse the child from going to school or mingling with people. The only language that you've given that child is your mother tongue. That's the only language you will speak. They speak Chinese to him. He can't speak any other language. He speaks Yoruba because Yoruba is what he has been taught. He didn't go to school. You didn't allow him. You totally masked him in Yoruba language. So he's anointed with Yoruba language. If somebody is anointed with Chinese, have you met people who couldn't speak any other language but their language? Even some northerners in Nigeria, they'll say, when you speak English, they'll say, now, some of you served in the north, so you know what I'm saying. you speak English, say, good morning, say, I didn't go to school, so I can't speak any other language. Hausa, Koi, whatever. <laughs> if you can speak Hausa, yeah, they like you. You can't speak it, forget it. You talk too much, bring out the knife, you're insulting me, I don't know what you're saying. Lord have mercy. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. With the Holy Ghost and with power. Then he went about doing the will of the Father. Good, good, good everywhere. If Jesus came to Mokola, what do you think he came to do? If he went to Monia, what, did, what do you think he went to do? When he was out, at home in Capernaum, what was he doing? When he went to the Lake Genisari, what, what was what did he go to do? When he traveled all over the place, what was he doing? Good, 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 good. He came to the land of the Gadarenes. As he was landing at the seashore, a madman came from the tomb and bowed before him. The man was possessed with a legion. Jesus did good. And the people of the town came and said, please go, leave our country. All right? And as he was leaving, the madman that had been restored said, let me go with you. He said, no, stay back. Do good. He had been anointed and he left. And that guy became a preacher. Jesus still came back to that place much later. The guy had done the work of an evangelist. You will do the work of the one that anointed you. That's what I've observed. That's why it's important where you put your head. Pastor, pray for me. There are strange anointings. You will do the works of the one was anointed. There are people anointed by the devil. So, even if they do what looks good, it is with the intent of destroying souls. You know, there are people that give money. That some of them are pastors. They give money, give away, give away, give away, they do give away. They church to be filled. But the motive is to steal the souls of men. Because they have been anointed by the devil. The devil might give you money, give you wealth, but the mission is to steal your soul and to destroy you completely. Jesus was anointed by God the good. So don't be surprised. He went about doing good. And what again was he doing? As an extension of the goodness, he was healing all. That were oppressed of the devil. Who oppressed them? Say that again. Who oppressed them? Every sickness is an oppression of the devil. The devil always tries to oppress us. Me, I don't allow him in my life. He tries to oppress me, yeah. But I say, no, oppressor, you cannot oppress me. Because I know that God is not the oppressor. Jesus is the healer. Satan is the oppressor. So I resist his oppression as I submit myself to Jesus. Every sickness, every disease is an oppression of the devil. Many times, or sometimes, we can be careless. You walk, walk, walk. You don't balance that with rest. I'm guilty of that sometimes. And I say, Lord, have mercy on me. Now listen, especially when I'm going to have a late night, and I'm going to have a short sleep, and I have to get up early in the morning, I say, Holy Spirit. Thank you for strengthening me to work today. Now, this sleep is going to be short. But I request in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you make it restful for me. Thank you, Lord. I receive rest. A restful sleep. It might be five hours. It might be six hours. Now, don't make that your constant practice, okay? But when it does happen, that it has to happen that way, receive a restful sleep. And sometimes, you know, it's not in the length of your sleep. You can sleep nine hours. You Wake up and it's as if you just worked in a factory. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Like you actually went to work all on laggy. Yeah. The? They said you didn't you didn't go to bed early. I went to bed early. Ah, and I see the yoni. And then the day during the day, you're not productive. You are sleeping. You are sleeping on your computer. Say, why are you sleeping? I said, Did you did you have a short sleep? Ah, and I slept for long go. You didn't sleep. You are doing faka fiki, faka. Commit yourself to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Is isn't, isn't it not sweet, is it not sweet that the God we serve is interested in every area of our lives, including our sleep life? I shared this with a couple in America. As I traveled there years ago, and we were doing Bible study in their home. That's why they like me to come to their home. And I love to go to their home. They're wonderful people. They might even be online tonight watching. I love them. They used to live in Maryland. Now they live in North Carolina. Then they were in Maryland. And as we talked into late in the night, they wanted to go to bed. But my eyes were clear. And you know the reason? Jet lag. Because um, in my own case, they'll be talking to me in the afternoon and I'll be dozing off. They said, P. Fred, you're dozing off. We're telling you something important. I said, It might be new. <laughs> it's not my fault. Reason being that my body had not yet adjusted. The time I would go to bed in Nigeria would be afternoon over there. And my body in that afternoon was saying, it's time for bed. It's time for bed. So I'll be dozing and dozing and dozing. In the night, when they want to go to bed, it's my own afternoon in Nigeria, when I'm normally awake. So as they are dozing off, my own eyes are very clear. I said, Come on, I'm talking to you now. We need to look at this this scripture. <laughs> so that night, they were very tired. I said, happy, ah, Fred. You know we have to go to work tomorrow. They're ready to change their pajamas. I said, Oh, yeah, I understand. But we have to finish this this course. Pastor Fred can be very easy to accommodate, very easy. So. I said this to them as we closed the meeting, as I close now. I said, as you go to bed now, both of you, ask the Holy Spirit. This is what I do. I do it. As I said, do it also. The same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. It's not just about Pastor Fred. Are you guys what I'm saying? So don't make a big deal out of me. There's no deal about me. It's Jesus. That's all. As I said, tell him, Holy Spirit, please. We know the sleep is going to be short. Please make it restful. The next morning, I said, when we woke up in the morning, Hey, you guys. They were getting ready to go to work. P. Fred, thank you. That worked. I said, "What worked?" I said, "When we come back from work, we'll tell you." And then they came back in the evening and said, "Man, we slept like babies." The word works. The Holy Spirit is a presence.